I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Hey folks, David Frost, my strategic forecast. This is a weekend update for the week ending January 4, 2019. What an unbelievable finish to the week it was. We'll get into everything we need to discuss. The chart's a mess. We're going to clean it all up. I've got a tall cup of coffee. It's Saturday morning as I sit here and make this video. And we're going to get into the details because I've got a ton of information to unpack. Before we get rolling... Let me just send out a thanks to everybody who's participating and posting comments underneath the video each and every night. Please keep the conversation going. I love the interaction. In addition, please hit the thumbs up button on the video and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. First things first, first order of business, let's clean up the chart. All right. That looks a little bit better. It's more clean. We'll discuss the specific numbers in a moment, and then we'll discuss some other numbers also. But first, let me reel back the clock a little bit, and let's discuss how this all began real quick in Thursday night's video. And if you don't remember or you're new here, go back and check out the video. You'll notice that we were discussing a couple of important things that took place. A, there was a pretty big sell-off. That was alarming, number one. But B, there was some signs that the sell-off was somewhat of a shakeout, if you will, because certain things happened that had us a little bit concerned that the Bulls really didn't give up the ghost just yet. And as a refresher, let's discuss a couple of those things. A, they never closed below 244.02. Where does that come from? As a refresher, we go back to the hourly chart. 244.02 comes from this breakup candle low and we never closed an hour or the day below that price level. That was important. We noted that. It was interesting. We had some symmetry going on. We never closed below that breakup candle low. Before this took place, we were talking about a long-standing hourly chart bullish pattern that would normally break to the upside. Now, They had a little bit of a shakeout to the downside, but some of the signs were there. So that was sign number one. Sign number two we discussed was the fact that the volume wasn't really excessive and the market was down a lot. We also discussed the VIX. The VIX was somewhat of a little bit of a head scratcher, if you remember. The VIX really should have been up more with the market down as much as it was yesterday. So those items we discussed and we left it as... The spark was going to be the announcement of the phony jobs number at 8.30 in the morning on Friday morning, and it was going to be a spark in either direction. We talked about the downside, and we talked about the upside. But what was more interesting was it really wasn't as it seemed or maybe as it appeared at the end of the day. Now, here's what actually happened. All day long, obviously, the media was discussing the Federal Reserve. There was a meeting that took place between Jerome Powell and former Federal Reserve chairs. Also, Jerome Powell gave some commentary. That took place around mid-morning on Friday. But here's the thing. The market was already poised to have this happen. Let me explain, at least from my perspective, what happened. On Thursday night into Friday morning, the futures went down farther. 
Then they turned around. By the time I woke up at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and here's the way it works for me, my eyes start to open up. Simultaneously, my hand goes over on top of my phone. I grab it. I go in to look at the futures market. This is my life. This is the way it works. By the time I log in, I can barely focus my eyes on the numbers. A, they're too small, and B, I, I can't see yet. I finally focus in, and the futures are up around 25 points at 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, here's where we're going to learn something. And part of this is I've seen this before many, many times. Doesn't always work out the same, but I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. In order to explain that, let's go back to another number that was on the chart, which was 245.95. That number was very, very important to me for a long, long time. Remember, before it was 245.95, it was slightly lower. I believe the number was 245.61 or 64, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, it was in and around that number, that zone that was very important to me. Remember the market traded in and around there several times. And then you'll remember me using the term several times before. And if you've been here a long time, you'll know the term. I use the term recapture. We closed below that price level on Thursday. We opened above that number on Friday morning. To put it in perspective, here's that number. It's right around here, 245.95. And we opened above that number and took off to the upside. So that's really item number one. You have to kind of jot that one down. The recapture. I've discussed it many times when it happens. We talk about it. You have to be able to recognize it in real time. We're back on the hourly chart. I want to point something else out. But before I forget, I want to mention something as it relates to the Fed real quick. It's been this way for a long time and it's still this way. Someday it may change. Someday it's likely to change. But right now and in the past, it's different what the Fed thinks the business they're in is as it relates to or as opposed to the business they're actually in. And here's the difference and here's the way I look at it. The Fed believes they're in the business of managing the economy and interest rates and all that stuff. I believe all that stuff is cyclical and that they don't really manage it, but we don't have to split hairs. I'm allowed to believe what I want and anybody out there can believe whatever you want. But here's the business I think the Fed is actually in. I think they're in the confidence business. As long as the market has confidence in the Fed, then there's somewhat of an imaginary put under the market, somewhat of a floor under the market, so everybody would believe. And that's all that matters. As long as everybody believes there is, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Doesn't mean we don't have corrections. It means everybody believes that the Fed is going to come to the rescue in terms of not raising rates when the market says, hey, we don't want you to raise rates anymore. So in terms of capitulation, you just saw the Fed capitulate to what the market wanted. They basically have walked back somewhat of the discussion and statement that was going around for the last week or two. Actually, longer than that. But nevertheless, that's what just happened. Doesn't mean the market can't go back down. I'm just stating what actually happened. Now, let's get back to how do you read this stuff and how do you know when to hop on board, know when to hold them, and know when to fold them. So I discussed the recapture. That was item number one. So we're recapturing an important level. I knew that was positive. The majority of the time, that's not going to fail. It's actually a failure of a failure. 
right? Think about it like this. I'm discussing a bullish pattern that's developing like this. It looks like it's failing, right? So the bullish pattern would generally or normally release the energy to the upside. That's the way the market works. But if it doesn't, that same energy is going to be released in the other direction. So it starts to go down that way. So it's a failure of a pattern. And then the pattern starts to fail and we have a failure of the failure. As crazy as that sounds, that's what's going on. So I look at that and say, it's a recapture. We're back into the bullish pattern that was always going to play out to the upside. Therefore, now I have to look at what's next, which is the market has a destination. What is that destination that I believe the market is likely trying to get to? Yes, you guessed it. The only number that didn't change on the chart was 255. Here's a 10-minute chart. So here we are. Here's the thought process. We have the recapture. I'm already on this at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm already mapping out what's likely to happen in my mind. I know it's not going to happen the way I map it out. However, I'm kind of mapping out the bigger picture, saying if we recapture the level, if the market holds and continues to get stronger throughout the pre-market, right, leading up to the opening bell, that's bullish. There's no two ways about it. That means that we've gotten through the phony jobs number, the market liked it, whatever the number was doesn't make any difference, and if the market holds and it even gets stronger into the opening bell, I know that's bullish. Now, I'm looking for an entry point. I'm not necessarily a buy high and sell higher type of trader, but there are situations where I'm a willing participant, I'm willing to put on some risk, so I will normally put on less risk than I would normally put on on a traditional trade because if the market fails and I'm wrong, then I'm going to take a hit. So I want to minimize the damage. The market's already up a lot. So I have a lot of exposure. So I trim down my position size. So here's exactly what happened. I hopped on the first pullback they had, which was about 20 after 10. The market went down a little bit farther. I knew my risk. I knew where I was wrong. I was wrong if we closed the 10-minute candle below the opening range low right here the low was 247.17 i didn't really want to see them anywhere near that but that was the risk i was willing to take with this trade because of all the other things that i mentioned like the recapture and all that other stuff okay so what happens you get lucky i got lucky the market shoots up right and then it comes right into this double top area. You have to sell the position, right? They handed it. And whenever this happens, you have to sell into strength. They handed it on a silver platter. And then the market started to just go back and forth in this area. And I'm watching everything else. The financials were screaming. The transports were screaming. Everything was screaming higher. It was an obvious short squeeze, right? We all know that was part of a short squeeze. And by the way, there are components to short squeezes. Now, in other words, in a situation like this where the market has been down as much as it is from the high to the low, there's not just one short squeeze that happens all of a sudden. There are multiple short squeezes that go on. So today was another one. There was one off the bottom. There's another one today. And there could be another one, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. So that's another piece of information I know. I know we're in the middle of a short squeeze, and here's the deal. You don't underestimate a short squeeze. 
ever. Just like I said, you never underestimate how far the market can go down or how high the market can go up. You again, don't underestimate the power of a short squeeze. It's panic buying. So after you sell right at double top, the market starts going back and forth and doesn't want to come underneath 250. Comes close a couple of times and right out of the course, the market went sideways for a specific period of time. It wouldn't go below 250. And guess what? Uncharacteristically hopped on board and the rest is history. But here's the thing. Here's what I had in the back of my mind. Actually, it was in the front of my mind is destination. The market always has a destination. We don't always know where the destination is. I spend 25 hours a day trying to figure out where the destination is on certain stocks and markets all day long, right? But what I do know is there's always a destination. So take a look at the daily chart again. And yesterday, it looked like we were going down to a destination. Today, we recapture, we're going higher, all that other stuff from before, and we have to be going to a destination. Well, I was focused on 255 for a while, right? I'm still focused on 255. I think that's the destination. Maybe it's 256, maybe it's 255 and a half, but I think that's a destination. Now, before, that was a short trade opportunity. But in Thursday's video, if you remember, I said if we turn around and go higher and this becomes a launching pad, that short trade isn't the same anymore. That has a lot to do with two things. Number one is time. That's another thing right out of the course. And you know how I feel about time. Time is more important than price. So here's where I'm going with this. Let's discuss the possibilities going into next week. Let's start with the market turns around and goes back down the other way. This turns out to be we had the time component without the perfect price, and all of a sudden the market goes back down the other way. That's certainly a possibility. That's where the 248 comes into play. Closing hourly and then daily below 248, and I think the market has to go back down. Normally, you might see me look at today's low as that bogey, but in this case, I don't want to see it even close to 248. That's if I'm in the camp of the bull case. But we always look at both sides. 248 is basically half the distance between Thursday's close and Friday's close. Anything short of that certainly could be a normal garden variety retracement. Nothing below 248 for the bull case. Now, the other side. I think the market closed at a critical level on Friday. I think it could be teetering on either Normal market activity, which could be a garden variety pullback. We could have a flat day on Monday. We can have a normal up day on Monday. Anything goes type of normal market activity. That's a possibility, of course. But I also think we're very, very close to triggering another short squeeze. I think they could have done it on Friday if they wanted to. For example, if we closed on the highs where we were at the highs. So, for example, if I move this over and say the high was 253.11. If we closed up there at around 253, that in my mind would have triggered another bout of short squeezing. What would that look like? Believe it or not, it could look like that. Somewhere up in that neighborhood, 263, 265, 50 period moving average, something like that could happen with another short squeeze. Basically, it's another day like today, only a little bit better. And it doesn't have to happen in one day. I'm just saying that that's possible 
which is why I'm not interested right now in shorting 255. Now, we'll see what happens on Monday. We'll see what develops as the market opens the week. I'm just letting you know that if all of a sudden we see some crazy market activity and then you have in the back of your mind the market has a destination, well, in my mind, if the market's having another short squeeze, that's the destination. Now, let's make something clear. Did I say that's going to happen? No. What would get me thinking that's more likely to happen than not happen? Uh, how about starting with hourly closes above 255? Moving along, a couple of the other clues. The IWM started to rally first, started to rally harder than the spiders first, finished above its 20-day moving average. That's certainly more positive than the other side. If you have to pick sides, and we do, here's the 10-minute chart, and you can compare that to the spiders. If you just flip over to the 10-minute chart on the spiders, you'll see that it was slightly different. We had more of a pullback in the spider than we did in the IWM. That was another clue that the market was stronger than it may have appeared so on the surface. And those of you that have been around a long time know that I'm looking at these things all the time. These are the puzzle pieces. This is what makes up the puzzle. Once you can put together the puzzle, and I hate to have to do this, but you can't put together the puzzle unless you have the foundation from the course. But once you put together the puzzle, the puzzle can be an ATM machine if you follow the rules. Don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying today was an easy read for most traders. 15 years ago, I wouldn't have made the same trades I made today. 15 years ago, I probably would have tried to short the market at some point today. Which brings up another point. I got several emails on Friday during the day about shorting the market at certain levels on the queues, on the spiders, on whatever. And my response was, why do you want to fight the market? It was a trend day up. The market was each and every time bought on every pullback. So here's the way I want you to look at it. We're not in the fighting business. We're in the money-making business. So think of it like this. You're in a downtown city type of environment. There's tall buildings on either side. The street is relatively narrow. You're standing there facing south. Coming at you full speed ahead are thousands of people jammed on this street running north. There's a chance they hit an invisible wall and run back the other way but why do you want to take that chance? You have a recapture of an important price level. Everything that was negative, like 15, 16 hours earlier, is now all of a sudden turning around. We had some of those signals from Thursday in terms of the volume and the certain price levels we couldn't close below. All that stuff from earlier. So you start to piece this together and you say, I'm just going to run with them. You just ride the wave. A surfer doesn't fight the wave. He rides the wave. There are times when you short the market at certain price levels. 255 without that decline on Thursday, that's a different trade. We have to adjust as the market conditions change. We have no choice. You don't want to dig in and say, well, they should be going down, so I'm going to stay short. And people should put on their blinker when they're going to make a turn, but they don't. Doesn't matter what we think it should be. What matters is what is. By the way, I talked about volume, and then I forgot to talk about volume. So we're back on the daily chart of the spiders, and the volume wasn't tremendous volume. So it's certainly a puzzle piece. It's on the table. And the reason that you bring it up is 
Because if it was an initiation of a rally-type volume, meaning that was it, that's the final bottom, there's no more down, that would have looked like 225 million shares or something like that. So that's not what we saw. Doesn't mean we can't go higher. It's just what we saw and what we didn't see in volume. Doesn't mean or not mean anything yet. IWM volume, slightly better on a relative basis against the spiders. A little bit better or higher than the average 90-day volume. Nice collapse on the VIX. We filled the gap, closed below the 50-day moving average. That's a positive for the market bulls, negative for the VIX longs. Closing below 20 in the VIX, we'll send it down to 18 or lower, maybe even 1670 down here at the 200-day moving average. If we flip back up on the other side and close above Friday's high, that's a whole different set of circumstances. We'll talk about it if that happens. Transports, my second favorite market leading indicator. What can you say? Yesterday they were leading to the downside. Today they're leading to the upside. How do you reconcile that? You don't. You just look at it and shake your head. The Qs, right into the 20-period moving average, and that's where they found resistance on Friday. If we're going to have that secondary or even tertiary short squeeze, everything's going to go with it. All the stocks, the Qs, the spiders, the Dow. We're talking about another liftoff for everything. And that's a big if. What's the probability that's going to happen, let's just say, within the next few days? The probability is like 10%, 15%, maybe. I'm making that up at a whole cloth. There is no probability. It's not a probable scenario, but I'm saying that if, in fact, there's another match that gets lit underneath the market because there's a short squeeze happening, that's all I'm saying. That's the next destination. And I'm also saying it can happen and fast. Remember, we looked at the financials on Thursday night. We talked about the broker-dealers. There was somewhat of a disconnect going on with the financials. Remember, this was an inside day on Thursday. The broker-dealers weren't down that much. It was one of those components of the bigger picture that it was somewhat of a head-scratcher. Same as the 244.02 and the spiders and all that other stuff. This was on that side of the equation, if you remember. Up 9 bucks, almost 4%. Really? That's a short squeeze. XLF, similar routine. Never got below the prior day's low. Takes off to the upside. Where are we headed? Are we headed to 25? Is it possible? I don't know if the XLF can get up there, but they're headed to a destination, and right now, it's headed north. SMH, very similar to the transports. You look at the chart, and you see the last three days of activity, and you have no comment. That's not a tradable situation. Nostradamus couldn't trade that. Over to gold, remember the weekly chart, and we obviously didn't close above the 100-week moving average on Friday's close, and look what happened. We put in an interesting type of candle, and those traders that have taken the course will study this chart. You'll look at it, and if you figure out what I'm looking at, you'll smile, you'll laugh, and you'll say, unbelievable. All I have to say is time is more important than price, but when time and price converge, it's a recipe for a trade. And I got to tell you, shame on me. I didn't see this until today. It's after the fact, but it's not necessarily too late. And those traders that have taken the course will know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, rewatch the course.
This is right out of the course. How about crude oil? This was kind of one of those things on that side of the ledger on Thursday night where it was no longer going down. Even when the market went down, oil went up. We flagged it. We mentioned it. Obviously, nobody could have seen the type of environment we had from Thursday's close to the gap up on Friday. You can't see it coming. But if you understand all these piece parts, then over time, you learn to take advantage of situations like this. But crude had a nice spike higher today. We went in to do what? We tested a breakdown candle high. How do we know that? Look at how this works. Unbelievable. How many times do we see that over and over and over again? Markets love to do what? Come back and test former breakout and breakdown areas and breakdown candle highs and breakdown candle lows. Talked about it on Thursday. Talked about it 500 other times. And with that, folks, I'm going to give it a wrap. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. 